0: Hello there, it's Peter Mansbridge, host of The Bridge, where we reflect on the issues of the day and how they could impact you. Politics, public health, technology, they are just some of the topics you'll hear about. Cut through the clutter and tune into The Bridge, a serious XM podcast available everywhere. You're listening to a Frequency Podcast Network production.
1: There's an old adage in journalism and politics and a few other fields, that when both sides are mad at you, it means you've done a good job. I'm not so sure that applies to Quebec's new housing bill, however. See, usually the both sides thing applies to a single issue, and it's a sign that a workable compromise has perhaps been found. Nobody gets exactly what they want, Nobody gives away too much, and you're done. But when both landlords and tenants are mad at you over the same bill, but for completely different reasons, that's a sign things might have gone off the rails somewhere. So what exactly is in this new law that is intended to help ease the housing crisis? Why does nobody with a stake in it seem to think that it actually will. And are we sure they're right? I'm Jordan Heath-Rawlings. This is The Big Story. Erica Morris is a journalist with CBC Montreal. Hello, Erica. Hi, Jordan. Thanks so much for joining us today. Of course. The first thing I want to start with, just uh, so everybody understands the terminology, can you explain for us what a lease transfer is and how it works in Quebec?
2: Absolutely. So a lease transfer, I mean, up until last week, the way it would work is if a tenant wanted to leave their unit early, uh, so before the lease ends, you'd be able to just transfer the lease to another tenant with the same terms, the same rent, And that way you can get out of your lease without having to pay your landlord compensation and your landlord doesn't have to find a replacement tenant. Now, of course, that has changed.
1: Did the landlord have any say in that or could I just decide to transfer my lease to whomever and they would kind of just have to deal with it because it's my lease to give to whom I want?
2: Yes and no. So typically your landlord would need a serious reason to say no. So hypothetically, you know, they looked into this new potential tenant, realized that this person is not in any capacity able to pay the rent or follow the terms. And they can say, no, I I actually don't want this person to take over the lease. But you would need like an actual serious motivation. And now what, what
1: has changed as a result of a bill recently passed?
2: Well, now that is out the window. So a landlord can just say no, regardless of any reason. They don't need a good reason to refuse a lease transfer.
1: Why is it in their interest to do that? Why is this a a good change for them?
2: So a lot of reasons, the first being, well, if we're going to talk about Quebec specifically, um, our housing minister, her reasoning behind this is that tenants were using this to keep rents artificially low. So the right to transfer your lease was meant to get out of your lease early, but people have been using it to, you know, swap apartments and seeping lower rents. But now a landlord would be able to say no hypothetically keep, you know, the building vacant for however long and then hike up the rent after a year of the building being empty.
1: How are rents doing in Quebec anyway? I assume they're up like they're up everywhere else in the country.
2: Oh, yeah. We saw the highest amount of like the highest increase in rents to date last year. So there is a very big issue with affordability, which is why a lot of tenants are upset at this law. Now, the government is saying that there is a section in your lease called Section G or La Clause G. And this section, landlords have to fill it out. They have to indicate the highest level, like highest number of rent that someone paid in the last 12 months because your landlord is only allowed to hike up the rent by a certain amount of percentages, either like whether it be the same tenant or a new tenant moving in, you're supposed to keep it within a a certain percentage, but a tenant would have to look at the closure, see that the new rent that's being proposed is much higher than the previous rent, and then go through the whole rental board to get that fixed, can pursue the landlord for, you know, if it's false or if they went too high. So the government is saying there are provisions in place to keep this a certain level of rent control, even without lease transfers. Okay, but in general, what do housing advocates think of this? And
1: and I'm glad that the government is making a point of the clauses in the bill, but h- how do they justify doing this at a time when rent is already surging?
2: Housing advocates are upset be- and about this law for many reasons. The first being, you know, in terms of lease transfers, the the clause a lot of landlords don't fill it out or they lie. And a lot of tenants are not aware about this. You know, you... You have to be really informed. You have to know your rights. You have to, I don't know, have been in touch with a housing advocate or read the news really closely. But a lot of most people just don't know and they don't check when they sign their lease.
1: This is the part of the new bill or the new law, I should say now, that has attracted the most attention. But this is a big housing bill in Quebec. What else is in here? How broad is it?
2: It's quite broad. I think that there's uh, another part of it that has garnered a lot of attention and has upset landlords because our housing minister keeps saying that this bill is to, quote unquote, bring balance between tenants and landlords in terms of housing rights. And a big thing that changed is on evictions. Now, landlords have to compensate the tenants that they evict a lot more they have to give them one month's worth of rent for every year that the tenant has lived in uh, the unit uh, for a minimum of three months, and then it's capped at 24 months, and reasonable moving expenses. So a lot of landlords are upset. They're saying I shouldn't have to give as much indemnity to the tenants I evict. And housing advocates are saying, well, that's simply not enough because if you've been living in your unit for 10 years— and your rent has stayed at a certain amount, you're going to leave and enter the housing market where apartments are twice or maybe triple as much as you're used to paying. And those indemnities that you were paid, that compensation just won't won't last you long enough to, to make a real difference.
1: When we've spoken about the housing crisis in Quebec on this show before, it's Usually focused on Montreal, probably in a a discussion in context with Toronto, Vancouver, other expensive cities. What about the rest of the province? How is the housing crisis manifesting in smaller town Quebec or even in Quebec City?
2: The housing crisis is... Province-wide, I believe that the vacancy rate across the whole province is now 1.3%. So all regions are hit really hard. It's not limited to big urban centers. It's not just Montreal. It's not just Quebec City. It's places like Granby, like Trois-Rivières, everywhere. Everywhere is feeling the crunch.
1: And give us a sense about Montreal in particular, because, again, for Canadians who haven't been there in a long time or haven't been paying attention, Montreal um, used to be the city in Canada, the large city in Canada that people associated with affordable housing and achievable rents, right? Like a university town, an artist town, etc.
2: To an extent, it still is. If you look at Toronto, if you look at Vancouver, Montreal is still affordable. But the idea is we want to keep it that way and right now the difference between you know supply and demand in terms of housing it's completely out of whack vacancy rates are at what 1.5% at this point according to the CMHC
1: so not much better than Toronto or Vancouver
2: no 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 not at all it's quite it's going to be a tough tough moving day this upcoming July
0: Hello there, it's Peter Mansbridge, host of The Bridge, where we reflect on the issues of the day and how they could impact you. Politics, public health, technology, they are just some of the topics you'll hear about. Cut through the clutter and tune into The Bridge, a serious XM podcast available everywhere. You
1: mentioned supply and demand. This bill is also intended to address supply. Give us a sense of what it does.
2: Well, funny you bring that up because I'm actually working on a story dissecting uh, this specific part of the bill that should go up at some point this week. They did include a provision in the law that would allow municipalities to, you know, go around certain zoning laws and fast track construction permits for promoters. And so there's there's two ways that this goes. First of all, any building that has three units or more that is mostly social, affordable, or student housing can get fast-tracked. And then in areas where the population is higher than 10,000 people with a vacancy rate lower than 3%, any amount of housing, like any housing project can get approved and fast-tracked. Now, a lot of people are upset about this because they believe that it's giving uh, municipalities a lot of power that could open the door to corruption, to favoritism, to all sorts of things. While others, especially construction associations, they welcome this, but they're saying, look, the housing crisis is not just one crisis, it's multiple crises And so the biggest aspect or the biggest hurdle that they face is often bureaucratic red tape. And so they're happy that that's going to be lowered, but they still need money. The provincial government has not invested very much into housing. And I guess we'll wait till March to see how much they're going to put in the budget this year. And then secondly, there's a labor shortage in every sector, but that affects the construction center. And there's another bill that's being talked about. It's called Bill 51 to modernize the construction sector, but that hasn't passed yet. And so there's a lot of issues.
1: You mentioned the different ways around this new law or how it might be abused. Is that an issue in Quebec? Has there typically been uh, corruption in the housing industry? I'm familiar, I think, with Montreal's municipality, at least, has has struggled with corruption in the past.
2: Oh, yes, notoriously. There was the entire Charbonneau Commission that came out like a decade ago. But I think that because of this, because of this corruption, I mean, Laval, uh, the city of Laval just last week or the week before said they recuperated like millions of dollars that were lost in the corruption era. But now there's these frameworks that have been put in place because of the Charbonneau Commission to try and prevent this type of corruption from happening again. However, you know, like I said, there's still the idea of favoritism. I mean, if we look at the Greenbelt in Toronto and the Doug Ford parties, like these are things that could happen here too.
1: For those who aren't familiar with it, tell us about moving day in Quebec, why it's so important and what it might look like this year.
2: Well, Québécois people like to do everything en famille, as we say, um, and that includes everyone moving on July 1st. Now, is that a little nod to Quebec separatism to do it on Canada Day? I don't know. But many joke that it has to do with that. But the point is that most leases in Quebec start on July 1st, and so everyone is moving that day. And everyone's looking for an apartment on the same at that same time. Now, when we were talking about lease transfers, one thing that was nice about that is that if people wanted to move, I don't know, in February or in March, and there's not a lot of apartments available because the leases all end on June 30th, that was one way of getting an apartment. But when everyone's moving all at once, it can make it quite difficult to to find a place. You're competing with everyone else for the same apartment at the same time.
1: I see. So there'll be more people on the market at the same time on July 1st or ahead of July 1st, I guess. But obviously still for years now, at least no no new supply.
2: I mean, I think that the CMHC said that in Quebec, we need to be building 150,000 new housing units across the province over the next like per year over the next decade if we want to preserve affordability. And we built roughly 30,000 units this past year. So we're nowhere near the target.
1: When you talk to housing advocates, you've mentioned a couple of times parts of this bill uh, that they're not fans of. Is there anything in here that they think will work? Like I'm looking at the evictions uh, and obviously maybe they say it's not enough. But like I often I guess when we talk about housing policy on this show, I tend to lean more towards like at least trying to do something right, which it looks like this bill is.
2: Yes, but, you know, there's a lot of other things that could have worked better. First of all, advocates have been asking Quebec to create a rent registry for years. And, you know, there's even a website that has been developed by a group called Vivre en Ville that the government could just take over and include data in. That way, tenants, you know, we like I was talking before, Section G of your lease well if you don't know what le- like how much rent the previous tenant paid you could check the rent registry and that would add that layer of accountability and so i haven't heard very much positive about this bill from anyone okay. that i've spoken to however there is an amendment that was slipped in towards the end of the studies of the bill that includes or allows uh, something that we call accessory housing. So take a house in the suburbs, for example, that would have housed only a single family. You can now get around certain zoning laws to create two units out of this house and make it a multifamilial type of housing, which is a soft densification. Now, a lot of people are are very happy about that part um, and say that this could be a good way to you know, create more housing, but without the limits of the construction industry.
1: When will we get a sense of what the actual impacts of this bill are, regardless of what the government says versus what advocates say? Will it be like around July 1st or the days after when we figure out how many people are still looking for homes?
2: Yeah, I would say so. Or even next year when the next CMHC report comes out and we find out what the vacancy rate is, how many buildings or how many units were built, Like there's a lot of it's going to be hard to quantify the effects of the bill for sure. But I mean, we're going to see data on eviction numbers, how many evictions there have been, how many repossessions there have been, how many people are still on waiting lists for social housing, how many people end up on the streets. Like these are all things that we'll have to wait and see.
1: Usually it's true that when uh, opposite sides like landlords and tenants both don't like something, you must be doing a good job. But maybe that's not the case here.
2: Yeah, I can't I can't comment on that one. Yeah. But yeah, there's definitely a lot of people who are who are not happy with the way that this law was done. A lot of people say that it was rushed, that the studies were, you know, not conducted effectively. There's just a lot of a lot of criticism that has come up with Bill thirty one.
1: I guess we'll just have to see how it pans out. But, uh, Erica, thank you so much for walking us through this.
2: Of course. Thanks for having me. Erica Morris
1: of CBC Montreal. That was The Big Story. For more from us, you can head to thebigstorypodcast.ca. You can always send us feedback or suggestions for episodes. The way to do that is to email us at hello at thebigstorypodcast.ca or to call us up and leave a voicemail at 416-935-5935. Thanks for listening. I'm Jordan
0: Heath-Rawlings. We'll talk tomorrow. Hello there, it's Peter Mansbridge, host of The Bridge, where we reflect on the issues of the day and how they could impact you. Politics, public health, technology, they are just some of the topics you'll hear about. Cut through the clutter and tune into The Bridge. A Sirius XM podcast available everywhere.